The following message by Shane Sowers is brought to you by Central Baptist Church, Aurora, Colorado. www.cbcaurora.com So turn in your Bibles to Psalm 119. Uh, verses 46 to 48, Psalm 119. Today we're going to be zeroing in on verses 46 to 48. This is unashamed uh, part two. Man, this one is going to help you guys. So please, please do your best uh, to just follow with me. This is going to be very, very helpful for you. Um, This is something that for me was life-changing when uh, my eyes were opened uh, up to this uh, from the scriptures. Martin Luther, the reformer, he writes, I study my Bible like I gather apples. First, I shake the whole tree that the ripest may fall. Then I shake each limb. And when I have shaken each limb, I shake each branch and every twig. Then I look under every leaf. I search the Bible as a whole like shaking the whole tree. Then I shake every limb. I study book after book. Then I shake every branch, giving attention to the chapters. Then I shake every twig or a careful study of the paragraph and sentences and words and their meanings. That was Martin Luther. Really good illustration about what it is and how we're supposed to approach the Bible. But maybe it sounds kind of tedious. Sounds like Man, we got to be really careful. Sounds like a lot of work, but is it worth it? That's the question. Is it worth it? Family, it's more than worth it. It is an absolute privilege to study God's word. But it seems like maybe in today's culture, um, the value and even use of the word of God has diminished To the point that even those who hold the Bible in high regard still don't hold it high enough. This is really important that we get this. It seems today in our culture, the value, even in our Christian evangelical culture today, the value and even use of the word of God has diminished To the point that even those in the church who hold the Bible in high regard don't hold it high enough. We don't hold it high enough. Well, man, Shane, if you're saying that, how high are we supposed to hold it then? As high as anything in all of creation. And even higher than anything in all of the heavens. Whoa, wait a minute, Jane. Wait a minute, Jane. How can you say that? I can say that because when heaven and earth passes away, God's word will remain. That's how high. That's how high God's word is. We got to see the essence of that passage, what, what Christ is saying there about how heaven and earth could fade. That's huge. That's a big deal. Heaven and earth will fade, but God's word will remain forever. This is the absolute primacy of the scriptures. Oh, but Shane, and you can't do that. You just can't do that. You hold, and I've actually had people tell me this, you hold the Bible way too high. Way too high. In one, one of the pastor's meetings uh, that, I, that I used to go to, I, I haven't, I gotta get back to it. So sorry, my pastor friends, I'll get back to it. But pastor group meetings that we used to have, I attended and you know, we invite pastors and, and stuff from other churches and stuff when we get together. And uh, one pastor's group that I attended, I, I got to talk and we were talking about scripture and I asserted just the, how high the scriptures are and I asserted the, the supremacy of the scriptures and I did it so much so that one pastor actually came up to me and he accused me. I thought this was really creative. <laughs> he accused me of practicing bibliolatry. <laughs> when he said that, I, I thought for a minute, I'm like, 
bibliolatry. Oh, and then it hit me. He's talking about me treating the Bible as if it's some kind of idol. And he's like, You're, the problem is you, you sound like you worship the Bible. And here's the thing. He says, you sound like you, you worship the Bible, you idolize and you worship the Bible, and you do that, and you worship the Bible, and you don't worship God. You worship Christ's word, you don't worship Christ. And you know what? After he said that to me, I took issue with it, and I was just kind of like, well, that's not what I'm doing. And, you know, and I just, and, and any time I heard that and people would say that, and it, it always like, there was like this little thing in the back that just really bothered me. It's just like, well, I'm not worshiping the Bible. I'm not worshiping the Bible. I'm worshiping God. You know, I just have the Bible in high regard and people, you know, all this stuff and you to call it, I, I'm not, I'm not an idolater. And I used to take offense to that. And then one day it hit me. You know what? I don't actually take offense to that anymore. When people say, hey, Shane, you know what? You're practicing bibliolatry. I say, thank you. Let me tell you why I say thank you. Do you know why? Fine. If you want to call it bibliolatry, you can call it bibliolatry. You can call it Bible idolatry if you want. Because here's the thing. If I worship the Bible, then that means I do what the Bible tells me to do. And you know what the Bible tells me to do? It tells me to worship Christ. It tells me to worship Christ. So no matter what... I give my heart, my mind, my passions, my desires, my sacrifice to my Lord and Savior, my Prince of Peace, my King of Kings, the Alpha and the Omega, Christ Jesus, and I will do that forever and ever. Do that forever. Because that's what the Bible tells me to do. It's the reality of the supremacy of the scriptures. And family, we have got to recapture this. So let's take a look at it today. Psalm 119, verses 46 to 48. Psalm 119, 46 to 48. I will speak to kings about your laws, and I will not be ashamed. How I delight in your commands. How I love them. I honor and love your commands. I meditate on your decrees. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the light, the lamp that is your word. And God, I pray that you continue to help us to walk in step with the truth of the gospel. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. So if you're taking notes today, the first thing we're going to look at is the real nature of truth and how it's only the scriptures that can bring it. Ooh, that's a bold statement, Shane. Uh, I'm going to show you. I'm show you. Second, we will see how the scriptures are so supreme that its use will never put you to shame, even on the highest stage. And finally, we'll see the content of the word of God and see why so many delight, love, honor, and meditate on the word of God. So um, the thesis statement today, again, if you don't know what that is, it's me trying to summarize the entire sermon uh, in one sentence. Um, Brian Chapel, he calls it um, uh, the, 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 the wife question. So how you how you correctly do your thesis statement for your sermons. <laughs> he said, just imagine when you're done with your sermon, when you write your, your thesis, just imagine your wife, you know, you're getting ready in the morning. I don't know, you know, th this happens with you guys, but you know, it doesn't happen very much with me and Janine. But anyway, but he says, it's kind of like this. You're a pastor, you're waking up, you're getting ready in the morning and your wife asks you the question, what's your sermon about today? Okay, she's not asking you to bust out the sermon and start at point number one and start going through it. She's wanting you to summarize it. So that's what he said. I thought that was a really creative way of him saying it. So this is me answering my wife's question. What's your sermon about this morning, honey? Here's the thesis statement. Babes, it's about though sin and the pattern of this world cause us to suffer from a devaluing of the living word of God. It is the scriptures and the power of the Holy Spirit that will cause us to recognize it's supremacy of the scripture and why so many throughout all history delight, love, honor, and meditate upon it. That's how awesome the scriptures are.
Point number one, absolute truth. When we hear this, we talk about this. This is always talked about in the culture and all this stuff we hear, you know, the, the constant thing that goes back and forth, you know, there's no such thing as absolute truth. Well, that statement that you made is an absolute truth statement, you know, all that stuff. I mean, there's just this constant battle back and forth with truth. Truth is one of those things that we take for granted. You've got to be honest. Truth is one of those things we take for granted. We think we know it, but do we? And it's a battle that's been taking place for years and years and years. What is truth? People have defined truth in so many different ways. Defined it, you know, uh, philosophically, logically, uh, you know, poetically, all kinds of stuff. There's all these definitions when it comes to truth. But for me, point number one, absolute truth. The reality is here's my definition of truth, which some people will actually hold, but it's not really popular, and I'll show you guys why. My definition of truth is this, the propositions of the 66 books of the Bible and its logical implications, period. That's it, the Bible. The Bible is truth. And, and some people will say, and here's, here's where the problem is. The problem is some, the common, the most popular way of defining truth today is this, that truth is that which corresponds to reality. Truth is what lines up with reality. If this is real, this is real, and that's what the statement that you make about it, if it's real, then it's true. This is the popular def definition for truth. Now, some will say, well, Shane, that sounds pretty good to me. Why is this a problem? The problem is, we say, it's, truth is that which corresponds to reality. We don't even know what's real anymore. How in the world are we supposed to define truth by saying it is something that corresponds to reality when we don't even know what's real? Especially when using human effort, human intellect, and ingenuity. This is not a new thing. People have always struggled with this idea of truth. This has always been an issue. It doesn't take long for us to recognize the issue. And if you remember, even Pontius Pilate said to Jesus, what is truth? What is truth? Even back then, even back then they were talking about this thing called truth and what, what, how are you even coming to that conclusion? This has always been an issue, always been an issue. And here's the thing, one thing that we will realize with just a small study of, of this principle and this idea called truth, it doesn't take long for us to realize that it is virtually impossible to attain truth with human effort. Why? Why, is, why would you say that, Shane? Are you saying that we as human beings, we cannot say things that's true? We can't know things that's true? We can't declare things as being true? Why? Because here's a famous quote, a famous saying that people will say all the time when it comes to truth. Because snow is white. Do we believe snow is white? Snow is white if and only if snow is white. Seriously, snow is white if and only if snow is white. So let me give you an example. This is going to help us. Just follow with me. It'll help us. I know that this, this statement is wrong, but I'm just doing it because it's just a popular illustration that people will use. The, the, the truth statement is given. All swans are white. Okay, that's a truth statement that's given. All swans are white. Can we make this statement? We can make that statement that all swans are white if and only if all swans are white, right? My question is, how in the world are you supposed to make that claim? All swans are white. If and only if all swans are white. Something as simple and as common sense as saying all swans are white, can we say this? The reality is no. You cannot say all swans are white because if you were to say all swans are white, you would have to have seen 
every single swan, right? So how exactly are you going to do that? Get get on the phone and call people in Africa, call people in Australia, call people from all over. Hey, can you go check the pond today and check and look at all the swans and see if the swans are white? And then you're collecting data and all that stuff. Let's just say, even if you did that, even if it was possible for you to actually contact everybody and, and get them all to clarify and to verify that all swans are white. So all the swans that are living today, even if that were possible, could you say that? No. Do you know why? Because you would have had to have seen all the swans that lived before. Are you guys able to look and, 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 and observe swans that died and look at their skeletons and find out what color they were? I mean, I, I shouldn't say that because I don't know if you guys have been watching Discovery Channel lately. They, they find like a, a toe and they build this dinosaur that's got wings and fangs and all that stuff from finding a toe. Anyway, I, I, suppose, I suppose maybe we can. I don't know, I guess. But here's the thing. Even if you could verify through the fossils of all the swans that had ever existed before, could you say all swans are white? You still couldn't do that. Do you know why? Because you would have to have seen all the swans that's going to come in the future. Now, how are you going to do that? Do you see kind of where I'm going with this? You can't say that because we don't know that. And the reality is, family, the reason why this illustration goes bad is because they've already discovered black swans. <laughs> so what's happening now? This is what's happening now. I'm still going to use this, but this is just the picture. So we've already recognized that we can't make these statements. So we're going to adjust the statements now. And we're going to say this. All right. Well, I can't say all swans are white, but I'll say this. All the swans I've seen are white. That's how we'll adjust, right? Can we still do that? This is, this, just hang with me here. Can we still do that? Here's the thing. The adjustment is made. All swans I have seen are white. But my question is, even still, are you sure? Can you trust your observations? Is it possible that when you were out there in the pond and you were looking and you saw like 50 swans and you're going, okay, white, 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 white. Is it possible that you counted a duck instead? Is it possible? People will say, well, yeah. Then you're not really sure that all the swans you have seen are white. Could you have mistaken a swan for a swan? Did you really see what you saw? And when you were counting, did you even make a mistake counting? How many of you guys ever make mistakes counting? How many of you make mistakes counting every day? Yeah, <laughs> right? We make mistakes counting. Could we have counted something different? Well, yes, we can. So, uh-oh, we can't even really say that statement that you made to all the swans I have seen are white. You can't even make that statement. You can't even make that a true statement. Okay, Shane, okay, I get what you're saying here, but I know for a fact, I know for a fact, this is what Charlie will say to me, I know for a fact that Janelle is my wife. That, my friend, is a truth statement. And my question to Charlie is, are you sure? And you see this all the time. Even Janine was reminding me of the, on 60 Minutes, there was this one where a guy had a secret life. 
And he was married to another woman, had a family, and then he was, quote-unquote, married to this other woman and having a life with her, and he was all this stuff, and they were all sure that that was my husband, but in the end, they found out that it wasn't. Is it possible? Is it, now, you know, I, I'm not saying any of this stuff is true. If Charlie and Janelle get up and walk out, then you know it's true. But is it possible that Janelle is the secret agent? She really works for the CIA, and she's actually married to somebody else. But marrying Charlie is her cover. Is it possible that that's the case? Possible. Not likely, but possible. Could it be the other way around? That Charlie works for for the CIA, and he's pretending. Is it possible? Well, yeah, all of these things are possible. She could be lying to you, playing you, actually married another family. Some people will say, well, you know what, Shane? I know for a fact that I graduated from the University of Colorado with a degree in business. But how do we know it's real? How do we know you didn't cheat on your exams in order to get your degree? How do we know that your, the professor gave you grades that you didn't deserve because you gave him $100? Maybe it was a computer error. You should not have graduated, but you did. When you look at train tracks at the end, they look apart right here, but when they get to the end, they look like they do what? They meet. When you look out in the horizon at the ocean, doesn't it look like the sky touches the ocean and it ends? A woman is crying in the restaurant. Well, she must be sad, but is that the only reason why people cry? Leonardo da Vinci says, well, you know what? That is a problem. So what we need to do is we need to make sure that our experiments, are, that we continue to check our data when it comes to the experiment. So Leonardo da Vinci says that the experiment is perfect, but the collection of data from the experiment is not. So in order to make sure that you got good data, you just keep doing the experiment over and over and over again. You need to keep checking the data over and over again to make sure that you got the right data. But can you do the same experiment again over and over? The question I ask, I've done it many times here, can you step in the same river twice? Here's the key word, can you step in the same river twice? Like you go to the Colorado River, you step in it, you step out, take some notes, I need to check my data, make sure that it's okay. So I got to do it again. So you step, when you step in here, is that the same river you stepped in? It's different. Why? Is it the same water you stepped in the first time? No. Where's the water that you stepped in the first time? What about the dirt that you stepped in? You think the dirt is still there or is the dirt? Can we do the same? Here's the other one. Can you strike and light the same match over and over again? I remember my aunt used to say that all the time. I, or my aunt used to tell me, she goes, well, yeah, no, Shane, I can, get a, I can get a match to burn twice. And I was just like, well, you can? And she goes, yeah, I can get it to burn twice. She goes like this, lights the match. She blows it out and she touches me with it. Anyway. I said, yep, you got me there. <laughs> you got me there. All right. Can we do that? Here's the thing, the the hurricane that's coming, it's going to come, we're going to get data, can we do it again? No, it's moving and it's done. Can we do the same hurricane again and again? No. Can we, and here's the other thing, let's just, just get really simple here. Can somebody, anybody in the medical community tell me if eggs are good for me or not. Can we just finalize this? Can we just one, oh yeah, eggs are great for you. And then another, oh no, eggs are bad for you. Oh no, this is this, oh it's cholesterol, oh but it's the good cholesterol. I mean, this is what, we can't even get, you know, the fact that eggs are right. You know, and then is it possible that we're going to find out when we get to heaven that the reason why we died wasn't because we ate steak, it's because we ate salad? (laughs) 
It's impossible. (laughs) Can we tell the difference between death from COVID-19 or asthma? People are now saying that the earth actually is flat. We can't tell the difference between a man and a woman anymore. We claim to know what is true. We claim to know what is reality. And we... Uh, And the question is, can we certainly answer the if and only if? How do we know we are not just a brain in a vat or we're stuck in the matrix and we claim to be able to declare what is true? So we do. We claim to be able to do this. Okay, Shane. Okay. Okay. I get it. We can't know anything for sure then. Right? Can we know anything for sure? Well, relying on mankind, no. And furthermore, relying on man's mind, intellect, and ingenuity without God, not only can you not be certain, but you can't make sense of anything. Another way of saying that is not only can you not be certain, (laughs) it doesn't even matter. Seriously, throw God out of the picture. It doesn't even matter. Shane, I know for a fact that two plus two equals four. That's actually kind of debatable. I won't go into all that kind of stuff, but it can be debated. I know for a fact that two plus two equals four. I'll give that to you. Throw God out of the picture. You know what my question is? So what? Two plus two equals four. I don't, why does it matter? I don't care. What difference does it make? That's just your opinion. If I want to say two plus two equals five then I can say two plus two equals five. It's up to me. Throw God out of the picture, nothing matters. You can't make sense of anything. Why should I care? Why should I care? Well, that person is a guy and that person is a girl, but I don't think so. Well, but then that would be a lie. Well, so what if it is? Who says lying is wrong? Are you following me here? Throw God out of the picture, who cares? I can do whatever I want to do. I can believe whatever I want to believe. I can say whatever it is that I want to say. If I want to say two plus two equals five, then it's my right to say two plus two equals five. All of you guys say that I'm a guy, fine. But it's my right to say that I'm a girl. And you can't tell me any different. I might get in trouble for this. But you know me. Do you think I care? (laughs) I don't know. I'm still trying to decide. Um, What difference, the point is, what difference does it make? Well, Shane, there's a perfectly logical reason for all of this. So? So what if there is? Who says that I need to live my life being logical? Do you know people out there that live their life illogically? Ah, yeah. (laughs) They're everywhere. But you can't tell them. It's my right. Throw God out of the picture. You can't make sense of anything. Without God, you can't assert truth. And you can't make sense of any of the truth. You can't make any of the things that you say matter. So our culture throws God out, and we wonder why all of this is happening. You can't make sense of anything. It's just a free-for-all. Everybody can believe, do whatever they want. And even if you say, well, you can't do that, who are you to say that I can't do that? So then why does God give us math? Why does God give us reason? Why did God give us logic? Not for us to decide what's true, but for us to understand what he means when he declares what's true. So what makes the Bible any different? This is what people will say then. Shane, okay, fine. You did it. You destroyed science. Thank you. You destroyed math. You destroyed logic. You destroyed all of that for me. And now you're saying that it's the Bible. What makes the Bible any different? Here's the reason. Because it seems that I made my point. I made my point very clear. I'm hoping that I did. If not, ask me at the barbecue. It seems that the only way we could know truth is if we know everything about everything and anything. If we know everything about everything and anything, 
then we could make a new truth statement, couldn't we? Got to know everything. If I knew all the swans that lived, I know all the swans that are living, and I know about all the swans, and I've seen all the swans that are going to happen in the future. Could I make the statement that all swans are white? Now, again, there's debate with that, but I, could, I saw it, I confirmed it, beyond doubt, every single swan that ever lived, is living, and will ever live, is white. Yeah. Will we know the truth? Yeah. Do we know anybody that knows everything about everything and anything? Well, not here on earth, but we do know somebody that knows everything about everything and anything. So there is another way. So we would say, yes, God can make truth statements. Absolutely. He knows everything about everything and anything. So he can make truth statements. So how can I know truth? Because I'm telling you today, you can know truth. How can you know truth? You can know truth if somebody who knows everything tells you. Oh, come on. If you were with me, this should just blow your mind. You can know truth if somebody who knows everything about everything and anything tells you. So we know God knows everything about everything and anything. Did he tell us? Yes. It's called the Bible. Whoa. Hello. It's called the Bible. So what makes the Bible any different? Man, all the difference in the world. <laughs> Someone who knew everything and anything tells us what's true. It's called the Bible. The propositions that come from the 66 books of the Bible, Genesis through Revelation, this is truth. There, there is no propositions or, or uh, I, let me skip that part. But the question is, is it true? Is the Bible true? Propositions, 66 books of the Bible. It's logical implications. Does the Bible confirm this? You bet it does. Psalm chapter 119, verse 160. Psalm 119, verse 160. The sum of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous rules endure forever. Second Samuel chapter 7, verse 28. And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true. And you have promised this good thing to your servant. John chapter 17, verse 17, my favorite one. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Your word is truth. Not anybody saying that. Jesus said this. Your word is truth. And an individual will say, well, man, Shane, I get it. You got to prove it, though. And if you use human efforts, intellect, and ingenuity to do this, I can make a really good case for it, but definitely, but it will still be limited and it will still be lacking because it's going to come from man and not from God. The Bible itself is self-authenticating. And not only is it self-authenticating, it has left us a trail of non-stop confirmations of this fact that the Bible is unique. The Bible is extraordinary. The Bible is more than amazing. The Bible is, and I'm expanding a quote that I got from Vodi Bakum. the Bible is a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses reporting supernatural events that took place in fulfillment of specific proper prophecies and claimed their writings are divine and not human origin. Written approximately by 40 men from different backgrounds over the course of 1,500 years, over 25,000 New Testament manuscripts in Greek, Latin, Coptic, and other languages from the first century all the way to the 16th century with numerous variants, but clearly not one article of faith or precept of duty is affected at all. With all that there is, the message of scriptures are not, is not 
altered in any way at all. No assertion of contradictions have ever been confirmed. It has survived every skeptic, survived every attack, every attempt to annihilate it has failed. Every time it is attacked, when the dust settles, the scriptures are still standing. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will remain forever. Is it different? You bet it is. He said it, and he's confirming it, and he is confirming it over and over again. It is clearly, clearly shown that the Bible is the word of God. It's showing itself to be, and it's clearly shown itself to be the word of God. There's no way around it, family. There is no way. No way. Come on. There's no way anybody has ever been able to prove and to demonstrate even one small iota that the Bible is not the word of God. Many have tried, and everyone has failed. The Bible is undefeated. Undefeated. And it's supreme. Point number two, supremacy. Real quick. Nothing else in this world compares Nothing in this world can compare and it doesn't even come close. This is why when it matters the most, when we are before even the highest of powers and authorities in this world, when we speak to them the word of God, we will never be put to shame. In the highest courts, in, the high, in front of the highest authorities in the world, we will never be put to shame if we speak the word of God of God. Never. It's not going to happen. This is what the psalmist says when he says, I will not be ashamed. This is not the law and propositions of men. It is the mind of God. Of course, no one will find fault in the very breath of God because the very breath of God is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. How is it even possible for us to be put to shame if we speak the words of God? If we speak the words of God, how is it even possible for us to be put to shame? Romans chapter 3, verse 4. Romans chapter 3, 4. Of course not. Even if everyone else is a liar, God is true. As the scriptures say about him, you will be proved right in what you say and you will win your case in court. This is why before the grandest of people, on the grandest of stages, we do not rely on our wit, we don't rely on our intellect, and we don't rely on our ingenuity. We speak the word of the living God. If we do this, we will never be put to shame. Anything said in opposition to the word of God is not true, period. That's why I will never be put to shame. You know, you know one, of the things, one of the things that I loved, it doesn't happen anymore, um, but every once in a while, or not every once in a while, but when I hear about it, I, I made sure I t- tuned in. When John MacArthur went on Larry King, I, mean, I don't know if you guys can think that far back, <laughs> but when John MacArthur was on Larry King, man, it was awesome. It was awesome. And, and one of the things that I thought was really good is King would, would have other Christian leaders. Other Christian leaders would come on Larry King too. It wasn't just John MacArthur. He'd bring in other guys. King would have other Christian leaders and, and then he would always bring in like a secular opponent, like a, a PhD, a scientist or something, you know, and all that stuff. And they were, they were always going back and forth and they would have these debates and all that stuff. And, and he would do this. And some of the times when he would bring on Christian leaders, many times he, the, the, the opponents would make them look bad. The opponents would make our Christian leaders and look bad and it would absolutely humiliate them. Some of the smartest, brightest in the world was on the show and spoke against Christian leaders. And I can remember saying sometimes, like watching this going like, man, that's a, sh- that's, that's a shame. <laughs> I remember even using those words. Man, that's a shame. <laughs> that's, ab- that's an absolute shame that our Christian leader just got humiliated like that. But it never happened to John MacArthur. Never happened to John MacArthur. 
Now, say what you want to say about John MacArthur. You know, you don't have to believe everything. But one of the things that this guy did that was very, very pertinent and it was very prominent, that guy spoke scripture. That's what he did. It never happened to him because every time there was a debate and the smartest PhDs and all these people were coming, John MacArthur stuck with the scripture. And I'm telling you, family, it's not because John is super smart, which he actually is. He's super smart. But that guy rested on and declared the scriptures all the time. He spoke the word of God to them and was never put to shame because he did. Even on the highest stage with millions of people watching, you will never be put to shame if you speak the words of God. Never be put to shame. Family, with, with, with this outreach that we're doing, with many conversations that I've had with people over this last year, all these conversations I had, especially in the social media outreach, I made it a clear point to always defend with Scripture. Always defend. And anytime you, can, you read the, 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 the conversations that we're having, you're going to see that the main emphasis of everything I did was to get, them to, uh, to the, get them to the place where I could quote scripture, where I could give them scripture. And I made it a clear point to always do this. And family, I'm telling you, I've had conversations with PhDs, professors at universities, coming at me, trying to attack all the stuff that we were saying, all that stuff. And these people are definitely smarter than I am. But the case is closed. Man, it is just absolutely powerful when you quote the scriptures and they got nothing to say. They can't. I stuck with the scriptures and I was never put to shame. Many will say, well, well Shane, is that all you can do is quote scripture? That's, that's your fallback? You just quote scripture? Is that all you can do? All you can do is quote the Bible? And I would say to them, I do that because that's all that really matters. One guy said, I can do the same thing, man. And so he comes back trying to be cool and quotes Harry Potter. I can quote from fiction books too. And I responded, sorry, my friend, Harry Potter and the Bible are not even close to being in the same category. He'll be like, oh, yes, it is. It's, it's a book. And I ask him why. And he says, well, because they're just books. And I was like, okay. He goes, well, why do you think that they are different? I think that they're different because J.K. Rowling wrote in a fictional story about a young wizard. The Bible is a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses reporting supernatural events that took place in fulfillment of specific prophecies and claim their writings are divine, not human in origin, written by approximately 40 men from, from different backgrounds over the course of 1,500 years, over 25,000 New Testament manuscripts in Greek, Latin, Coptic, and other languages from the first century to the 16th century with numerous variants, but clearly not one article of faith or precept of duty is affected at all. With all there is, the message of scripture are not altered in any way. No assertion of contradictions has ever been confirmed. It has survived every skeptic, survived every attack. Every attempt to annihilate it has failed. Every time it is attacked, when the dust settles, the scriptures are still standing. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will remain forever. Not even close. And it's been this way throughout all of history. Why would we put our hope in anything else? Why? With everything that we have, why in the world would we put our hope in anything else? Why in the world would we believe anything else? Now, I'm needing you guys to hear me on this. Please don't just look up at me and be like, yeah, that guy is young and he believes in stuff. Come on, he, 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 hear me on this. Why would we believe in anything else? Is there another book that's out there that can make that same claim. No, not even close. Man, how many times you guys remember in school when you got the textbook, you know, your biology textbook, and then it's like, you know, the 35th revision? 
And then once it hits the 30, it's just time to get to a new one. Just get a new textbook already. Let's get a first edition and wait for that to get into 30. All these books, these science books and everything are always being revised, always being changed, always being updated, always being... The Bible has not gone through one, one revision yet and never will. Man, what else are we going to put our hope in today? John chapter 6, verse 68. John chapter 6, verse 68. Lord, Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. Where else are you going to go? There is no place for us to go. God's word is the word of life. Stand on the word of God today. It's the definition of absolute truth. It will never let you down. It has never let anyone down. It will never let anyone down. It has and always will reign supreme. And that's why the psalmist says, I will speak your words to kings. And I know I will never be put to shame. I am not ashamed of your word. Not. That's why I delight in it. That's why I love it. That's why I honor your word. That's why I meditate on your word. Because we will know the truth and the truth will make us free. Okay, but here it is. If this is the case, Shane, why do we struggle with Bible, with the Bible and Bible reading? Here it is. Seriously. Come on. All of us know that we probably don't read the Bible as much as we should. Some of you, you know, I, I make jokes about this all the time, you know, and I say, you know, we got to, you know, knock the dust off of the Bible sitting on our coffee table and actually read it. Some of you are going... Why do we struggle with the Bible and why do we struggle with reading it if we know for a fact it's our only source of truth and it's supreme? Come on, I heard a lot of amens today. The Bible is truth, amen. The Bible is supreme, amen. Then why don't you read it? So let me ask you this. If we really believed that the Bible was the source of truth and if we really believed that it was supreme, and all that pertains to life and godliness, why, are, why don't we read it as much as we should? Why is it that some of us don't read it at all? I think we got to be honest with ourselves today. Let me ask you a question. Could it be, could it be that the reason why we don't read the Bible as much as we should or don't read the Bible at all or don't use the Bible at all or don't study the Bible at all, the reason why we don't do it, maybe it's because we really don't believe the Bible is the Word of God. Is that possible? Maybe we just don't believe it. Now, people be like, oh, well, Shane, I don't know about all of that kind of stuff. Oh, ye of little faith. Could it be that we really don't believe? Or could it be that we just don't think that the Bible is supreme? We think the Bible is important, but we're just not sure that the Bible is supreme. Or could it be that we really don't believe that the Bible is the Word of God, but we're trying to convince ourselves that we believe that the Bible is the Word of God? But Shane, that would be me lying to myself. Yeah, in Psalm 119, verse 29. Psalm 119, verse 29. The cry of the heart of the psalmist. Keep me from lying to myself. Give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. Keep me from lying to myself. That's what the psalmist is saying. Keep me from lying to ourselves. Because that's what we do. We lie to ourselves. Or do we believe that the Bible is supreme? Or we do believe that the Bible is supreme and that it is the only source of truth, and it is the inspired breath of God, 
but we don't value the scriptures like we should and follow it like we should because we just love our sin too much. Oh, come on. We love our sin, that thing that so easily besets us. We don't want to read it because it's too convicting or it's not going to do for me what I want it to. I want to be rich and I want to live in luxury and the Bible tells me to be content. I want to know how to defeat my enemy but the Bible tells me to love my enemy. I want to do what's best for me but the Bible tells me to consider others as better than myself. I need God to take care of me, but the Bible tells me that my life is only here to bring glory to God. Is it because we love our sin too much? Because here's the thing, the nature of scripture, it's either one or the other. You, you You either believe it or you don't. Jesus does not give you that option. You, you either believe it or you don't. There's no middle ground. If you believe that the Bible is the word of God, then the case closed. We better start reading it and acting like it is then, right? Or we just really don't believe it. Or we do believe it, but we just love our sin too much. It's there. It affects us all. It causes us to not run the race that God had set before us. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous, no, not one. There is no one on earth who always does good and never sins. And the wages of sin is death. We can do nothing to make it right as the wrath of God is being poured out on all flesh. So can we be saved from this wrath to come? You bet we can. The word of God declares the gospel of Jesus Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. He came into this world to seek and save that which was lost. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. And the Lord will then grant us repentance and the Lord grants us faith and because of his grace and mercy so that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Salvation is here. The word of truth declares it. The grace and mercy of the Lord has given us this wonderful thing called the word of God. And we will see that there is life and life more abundant in Christ and in Christ alone. We will never be content. Hear me on this. We will never be content. We will never be full of love. We will never be truly joyful. We will never be truly happy unless you believe the word of God and everything in it is true. You will never get to the place you want to be if you don't believe that the Bible is the word of God. Let's pray. Thank you for listening, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. For more information about Central Baptist Church, go to www.cbcaurora.com.